House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Let's bring on right now Karen Dahlman. Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy to talk to you. I'm sure we'll have a great, interesting, exciting conversation. Yes, it was quite a quest getting here, wasn't it, Karen? Well, you know that you know how electronics work. There's always some kind of technical difficulty. It could be operator problems or error, or it could be the system. In this case, I think it was the system. But it's all working out well and ready to roll. Hey, I think it's about 50-50. So. Okay. <laughs> all right, so, that's fair. Well, for the listeners, Karen, that aren't familiar with you and and your abilities and your skills, tell us a little bit about Karen and tell us about the journey that brought you here. Okay, so um, I've been on the show before, so if you heard me before, you've heard me talk about the da-da-da Ouija board. <laughs> so uh, I say that kind of, is that we need to put some music in there. I say <laughs> that kind of funny because I find it humorous that whenever I say the words, the two words Ouija board, people either have a very visceral experience, which is either um, negative, uh, negative connotations or they're kind of excited about it. There usually is no gray area with the Ouija board, and I'm just used to that. But what brought me to this is at a very young age, um, since the age of two, I can remember um, seeing spirit beings. And in fact, I would call them my imaginary playmates, only because that's what my parents told me they were. Um, they weren't. Um, and then the, the experiences of seeing auras, lights, um, uh, beings uh, from, uh, let's just say, other dimensions, it continued on for quite some time in my earlier years. And then um, I had to put a lot of that away uh, in high school and part of college, although I, I had stumbled upon the Ouija board at the age of eight and started using that tool. But I had put away a lot of my abilities to see these things and experience them directly um, because I had learned that that was not real. That was, that was something you're not supposed to do. Um, you're making things up. It's, a, it's you know, you're playing make-believe or something. And the last thing I wanted to do was to go to school with the big kids and be considered different and weird and strange. So I just kept it to myself. I, I still would see things, but I, but I kept it, on, I kept it really quiet. But the Ouija board at the age of eight, when I discovered that from some friends, gave me an opportunity to reach into these realms and have direct communication. Now the tool uh, worked right away for me, and I, I just enjoyed it so much that um, I continued using it throughout the years, and really began to fine tune my use of it in college. Now, I'll give you some years here so you get a perspective of how long I've been using this tool. I, I received my first board in 1973, and when I was using it in college, it was 1986, 87, and those that... So that's, that's kind of where I am. I, the tool has, has grown with me. I've grown with the tool, and I don't need the tool anymore. I've learned that uh, in the last... Quite a, oh, last couple handfuls of years, maybe last decade, but I use it quite often, and I enjoy using it to this day um, because it's something I can do with another person. I can do it with a group, and I can share the messages, and people have an experience also to tangibly, with their hands on the planchette, or to be in the session and receive messages and see it as it appears, which when you're doing other kinds of readings, you don't get that, that tangibility as you might get with this tool. So I enjoy that part of it, and that's what I've been doing for the last oh, 45 years. <laughs> you know, you, you make a lot of good points. Um, let me start unpacking some of them. Um, first of all, I, I noticed your verbiage. You call it a tool. How do you explain that? You know, people see it as a portal. You know, you know. With, let, let's get real fancy with the words. You know, like TV. You know, it's a portal to the other world. Um, but you say that it's simply a tool. Does that mean that the ability to communicate with spirits is actually inside of us, and this is simply something that we use? Kind of like you know, I am. I'm, I'm kind of flattering myself here. I picture a set of cabinets in my head which means I have the ability to create cabinets, but I need a hammer and a screwdriver and a saw. Those are tools. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. That's right. You have you in your mind. You're able to envision what it is you want to create or build. That's a, that's a sign of creativity, and that's where it all starts. It always starts in our imagination in our mind. Um, and then you you get the right tools and equipment. Uh, you can call it equipment tools to get to go from A to Z. Now it's no different than getting in my car. My car is a tool. My car is equipment. It's something I use to get from point A to point B. Now, but let me back up here. I'm going to unpack that word tool a little bit more. When Ouija board first came out, it came out in 1890. There was a board, there was a predecessor to it called the Witch Board in 1886. And we know about this board because it was given to President Grover Cleveland as a wedding gift. Oh, wow. <laughs> from, yeah, exactly. From, from a toy company, a toy company that was manufacturing these boards at that time. Um, but then... It, that 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 one didn't really take off, but the Ouija came out 1890, received its patent and trademark in the United States in 1891, and listen to this now. It was patented and trademarked as a novelty item and as a game or a toy. It was not considered a tool, a device, equipment, spiritualist. It was not considered any of that. But what happened was, if you recall, in the 1800s, late 1800s, well, actually it started in the mid-1800s, 1848 with the Fox sisters. But spiritualism was huge from the mid-1800s all the way up into the early 1900s and, and a little bit beyond in, in uh, the United States. Um, so it came at the heyday of this time. And so when the spiritualists saw this tool, Uh, game, toy, novelty item, they snatched it up and started to use it as a device um, to communicate with the deceased. Now, they were creating all kinds of devices, and we, they would call those devices back then of ways to communicate. Like they had the alphabet cards, which were cards that were laid out, and there would be a pointer of some sort, and the pointer would point to the right card with the letter, and that's how you'd spell. They did table tipping and wrapping. There was all kinds of ways they were doing this. But when this little enigmatic device came along, um, it, it allowed them to do it quicker and with much ease to have this planchette that, and actually had caster wheels that rolled around on a board with letters on it. It was just such an easier way uh, to get this communication and, and efficiently and quickly. So when I say tool, I'm kind of going back to maybe the spiritualist and thinking of device. Mm -hmm. It becomes, like you said, to create your cabinets, one item you need in order to create it. Now, You don't need this tool, this device, this toy, this game, this novelty item to reach into the other realms. I know you know that, Kevin. And I want to say this to the listeners because you, we have these abilities inherent within ourselves. I had them as a child. We all do. I just had an opportunity uh, to express those more when I was younger. And, and I'm back full circle and I'm expressing them more now. But we all have these and we can all you know tune them and get better at using our own instrument which, which is ourself which is our body we can get used to using our own instrument but if we if not we have these devices we can use tarot cards I Ching, dowsing rods uh, k2 meters all these things we can do to reach into other realms now a, a quick question about the tool and then I'm, I want to challenge something here if they meant for it to be a toy Why would they give it such an ominous name as the witch board? Why not just call it the word board or letter board or even if you want to get, you know, close, call it the spirit board. Why would they give it such a, ooh, you know, a witch ooh, board? Ooh, I know. You know? <laughs> well, the witch board is a whole different trademark than Ouija. Ouija came out uh, four years later. So witch board, I can't answer that question. We don't have enough information and research. I'm part of a group called the Talking Board Historical Society. And this group uh, has been really key. They're the ones who actually did all the discovery and research into finding out how Ouija was named. Uh, Robert Murch is one of the main proponents of this group. He started it, and he went and met with a lot of the ancestors of these people who actually created the board. He knows the Fold family. I've met them myself. He knows the people, Charles Kennard's family, all the people, the big players, heavy hitters who created the Ouija board. Now, which board, I can't answer why they named it that. Um, I, we ha you'd have to have, find letters and records. I think it was because it was probably ominous. Something was happening. They had people were, were starting to make these devices themselves in their homes. You you will find some boards like people would take, example, a cutting board and write letters on it, and then we turn a basket upside down or something else they could push around. A people glass. were starting. 
<clears throat> a glass. That came a little later, but but yes, that's what they do a lot in, in England. But that came a little later. But yes, they were they were learning to do this on their own. It was kind of like this grassroots movement in our psyche, which people were starting to make these. We found these. There's articles written um, back in the. 18, uh, say about the, still the 1880s before the Ouija came out, and people are talking about this grassroots movement of this thing called a talking board. Now those people use the word talking board, and they would say you could put your your indicator or planchette on there or, or a, a device. And people had some weird contraptions, really interesting. And the letters are spelled out on the table, or you know, could just be on a wooden table or their cutting board, and this device would move around with the with the with the fingers on top of it. So there, there, we have these articles we found over the years that tell us a little bit of history. But the Ouija, how it got the name Ouija, now that's that's interesting in itself. Should I, should I share that with your audience, Kevin? Oh, absolutely. Please. It, this is what I love about the talking board. It's not just the fact I love using them. I love the rich history. I love all the people that were creating it, what they were thinking. And, and there's such great records when Ouija came out on, you know, their patents. You can go look these up yourself and find them in the Patent and Trademark Office in the United States. Um, it, it's just incredible history, rich, rich, rich history. So what happened was Charles Kennard claims to be the originator of the Ouija board. Now, again, that's a trademark name where there might have been the witch board before and other people had their own alphabet talking boards they were using. So he decided to create this tool that looked like it, kind of what it looks like today. It's a rectangle, has the alphabet on it. Um, and it has it in two rows, and then it has the numbers, and it might have yes, goodbye, or good night on it, or hello, and they created that. So they sat down at the board himself, Elijah Bond, and and uh, one of the one of the friends. Her name's Helen Peters. Now Helen Peters, most people haven't heard of. Helen Peters is a significant uh, player in this whole advent of the Ouija. She she sat down at the, sat down with the board with these guys. Um, and the, they asked the board, they said, what should we call you when we name you? You know, at the, tra the trademark and patent office. <laughs> it's spelled, I know, it's spelled out O-U-I-J-A. And they said, what does that mean? And it said, good luck. Ah, and they, I always okay. thought it was a French word. I know, people think it's we and ja. Yes, yes. yes. Jaw for German, we for French. Not at all. That's just a wives' tale. <laughs> I, 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 I stand admonished. <laughs> yeah, that, that was his history. We, we have the records on this. We have articles written on this. We have the newspapers. We have the clippings and all this stuff that show this. And I, I put this in my book, The Spirits of Ouija, too, um, from the trademark and, the, and how the Ouija got its name, uh, which I'm sharing right now, because I think it's important for people to understand the real facts behind this tool. Um, okay, so it gets even better. So, so they said, well, where does this come from? And right then, Helen Peters pulled this locket from her, neck, from her necklace, opened it up and said, look, it looks like it's spelled inside of here. And in her necklace was... Interesting is, is that Weta was a feminist writer at the turn of the century. So the late 19th century, she was a very prominent feminist writer in the United States. Uh, uh, quite an accomplished writer. And so for, to have the name <clears throat> Weta and to wear our locket was... So the supervisor comes out and says, yeah, yeah, what do you got here? I said, well, we <laughs> they said, well, we got this device. It's like a talking board. It'll talk to you. They said, oh, sure, sure, sure. He, he kind of poo-poos them, but he says, you know what? You don't know me, but if that thing spells out my name correctly, I'll give you your trademark and patent right here in the spot. Oh, boy. They're like, okay. So Elijah Bond, who was the patent trademark, and I'll tell you a story about him in just a second. Elijah Bond and Helen Peters, and she was also considered gifted, gifted psychic in her own ways. They sat down on the board, and the board spelled out his name verbatim, correctly, accurately. The guy was dumbfounded, said, oh, my God, you've got your patent. It's granted. So 
Well, of course. You know, it kind of makes sense. It named itself, and by golly, it was going to have its name. And it knew what his name was, okay? Yes. So now, now, you guys out there, listeners will know this if you if you've been following Ouija at all. There's this famous gravestone, headstone, in a cemetery in in um, Baltimore, Maryland. It's the one that looks like a Ouija. Well, that belongs to Elijah Bond, who was the patent trademark attorney, and the group, the Talking Board Historical Society, raised the money to give him that headstone because he didn't have a headstone, and his family was very thrilled that we were going to go ahead and put a headstone up there on his on his grave for him. So that that's the famous uh, Ouija board headstone you'll see. Oh um, wow! So it, isn't that cool? That is cool. Now, I, I told you I was going to challenge you just a little bit. You mm -hmm. said that as a youngster, it, you saw spirit. What happened was, <clears throat> so I can remember back as far as the age of two. I can remember being in the crib and... You know, uh, I remember my mom. My mom would always say, "Oh, that's just memories you, you you made up because we told you stories." I said, "No, no, I can see things. I, I remember so many things. It's it's just uncanny." But I had this friend that would come see me, and he was this little guy. And if I could give you an example, of what he looked like he might look like the stereotypical kind of elf. He did have big ears, and he was a little guy. He could he could uh, change his size um, to maybe down to like six inches. And that didn't, that was nothing weird about that to me. I was just enjoying talking to him. And my mom would come in my room and say, who are you talking to? And I say, well, I'm talking to Daki. And she goes, what's that? Who's that? And I said, this right here. She goes, no, you're making up things. That's fun. It's fine. You have imagination, but you know, that, there's nobody here. I go, no, there is. Daki, say hi to her. And he would say hi to her and she just couldn't see him or hear him. And I learned at a very young age at about four or five that <clears throat> nobody else was seeing this. Nobody else was experiencing this but me. So I quit talking about it. But then I continued to see things. I, I continued to see beings in my room at night because I, thought, I found that when we're least inhibited, and I wasn't so inhibited as a child, but Daki quit coming at about the age of five or six when I went to school. So I had him for a few years. Um, and, and I'll tell you about where he is now. Um, it's very interesting. But um, I, I still had visitations, and they would come, and I would call them Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, or Tooth Fairy because that's the only mythological characters I really knew. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't really studying mythology at the time. I didn't, I just thought that that's all they could be because they were nice beings and they would talk. Sometimes I'd hear them. Sometimes I would just see them and I always felt comfort from them. There were some, there were some that came that were, um, extraterrestrial of nature who didn't feel so kind and those were scary to me but I was having these visitations many years up to about the age of 12 or 13 and at that time um, I ha I just I can't I can't do this anymore kids are gonna think I'm crazy at school so I just put it away although I still saw colors and auras I quit talking about it but see at the age of eight after I'd gone to school put away Daki I stopped him he, he stopped coming around that's when I found the Ouija board. And the Ouija board became my lifeline, if you will, to these characters. Now, I didn't talk to Daki, but I started talking to a whole plethora of new beings. Now, I know everybody's going to say, well, how do you know they're not evil? How do you know it right. wasn't demons? And, and I, I get that all the time. I fully respect that question because um, when you first start using this, you don't know who you're talking to. And that's a very fair question to ask. Uh, look, uh, look, you got to remember what year I was using this, back in yeah. the 70s. Early, my next question. Yeah, early mid-70s using this tool. Um, the Exorcist came out December 26, 1973. The movie did. I got my my first Ouija board uh, December 25th, 1973. So one day before The Exorcist comes out, I get my board. I wasn't allowed <laughs> to see The Exorcist until I was a lot older. And I and I, I enjoy that movie. I really do. I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's funny. It's 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 a good horror movie in a way. It's a good scary movie. Um, but you know, it wasn't. There was no rules about the board. Nobody nobody was telling me it was bad in my family. Uh, we were practicing Catholics um, into the whole system of, of Catholicism. 
and they, nobody said it was bad. I think my parents at that time, and I, when I talk to them now about it, they just thought I wasn't really doing anything. They thought it was a game, and I was just, you know, playing like it was working or something, or trying to scare my friends or something. And that was not the case at all. Um, they understand that now. After they, they know where, where I've been with them, what I'm doing with this tool, and as I got older, they began to understand that. But at the time, no. So, so they didn't give me any negative connotations. And if anybody ever did. The church I didn't tell about for number one, so I never got any of them. I wasn't going to mention that. Obviously, yes. Yeah, because when kids would come spend the night, girlfriends would come over, they'd say, my mom said I could spend the night, but I can't play Ouija board. I said, okay, we won't. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We'll do something else. And and what we used to do is we'd play light as a feather, stiff as a board, and that's a game you do where you you know <laughs> just, that game, right, Kevin? Yes, yes. Just, <laughs> just six of one, half dozen of the other. Right. I said, you know, we'll do something else. Um, I didn't use the word spiritual then. We'll do something else that's kind of paranormal. That word was so new back then. I, I don't remember that, that word being used. But I said, we'll do something that's kind of makes you move into the other realms. Maybe we could do, deal with the dead, you know. There's other I, we, do, we can do table tipping. I mean, we can do other seance stuff. That's fine by me. We just won't do a Ouija board. So I always had a propensity and, and a desire to work in this realm. And so that's why I use the Ouija is because I put some things away. It allowed me to keep this lifeline alive, and then until I until I got a lot older, I guess in the last decade, I really began reaching out and being able to do a lot of this work, especially in the last five years, without a board. So that, that's kind of how it's developed for me. So, so, let me back up. I hear just a little bit of an echo. So you, you mentioned, you know, this, uh, I'm, I'm trying to form my head, because so much was just was just said you know you didn't talk about it with your schoolmates you know and and as I'm as I'm picturing what you're saying I'm seeing Wednesday Adams in my head <laughs> right you know, yet there's this fascination because I remember growing up you know with a foot in both worlds and yes even though we and, and I'm saying we rather liberally we were seen as the odd ones you know who did this kind of thing there was this absolute fascination with everybody else you know, like you said okay we're not gonna play you know the the spirit board or the Ouija board let's play this and everybody's like yeah let's do it right you know <laughs> what do you think is the fascination and where does that disconnect come well, I think the fascination that we have is what happens when we die. I mean, that's that's the million dollar question. You know, people have had near death experiences and come back and tell us, but there's still a curiosity because we haven't experienced it ourselves. Do is this the end? Is this it? Do we go in the in the ground and rot? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Is that the end of us? You know, and the Bible will teach you, and some religions will teach you that there's a great rapture and 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 you're 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 pulled up into the heavens and. Other groups will teach you about an afterlife or reincarnation. And as a kid, you have a lot of curiosities. I and mean, that's the time to really have them. And as you're developing your ego, as you're developing your cognitive abilities, you're, you're really learning to use your mind to think expansive thoughts. And so the, the children are really <clears throat> interested, in, especially if they don't have this talk at home or if they have a one-way talk. Like a lot of times church can be one way. They tell you what you're supposed to believe and you ask questions. They may not be able to answer them. I had that a lot. I'd ask, well, well who created God? And, where, and a lot, I think a lot of kids have those questions. And they just say, you just have to believe. It's faith. Well, that wasn't always enough for me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I know it's not enough for everybody. And I think that childhood fascination that we have, the innocence of a child to understand more, and the questions they ask as a child, it's very healthy. And to go through the process of beginning to think uh, for themselves and take that train of thought, ask themselves another question. It's the Socratic method that many great philosophers used in order to dig down deeper into a topic and understand it more by asking themselves more questions. And so that's what children do and I think I fell into that fascination of what happens when we die because of probably because religion and church but I will say this too Kevin I come from a line of women on my matriarchal side and the more I talk to my mom about it over the years the more I've learned that they were they were originally Christian scientists which oh, were the yeah not Scientologists now Christian scientists was just different yes, they do believe in distinction 
Very big distinction. They believe in natural ways of healing. They believe that they have a connection directly with Source, with God, with, with Jesus. So they can talk directly to whoever that, that being is for them. Um, they work with those energies. They often do seances and stuff. And th this group would do seances. Um, they were mediums. They were tea leaf readers. It, the, the list goes on. And so as a child, I, my mom would tell me some of the stories of her, of her mother, of her aunts, of her grandmother, who was my great-grandmother, and, and some of her jewelry's been passed down to me. There's this lineage, and I have some of the pictures, and I have one of the, one of the, the aunts on, which is a great aunt to me, on my altar. I've always had a connection to this side of the family, and maybe it was through the stories my mom told, but it felt so much deeper than that. And they were very artistic and creative and avant-garde and, and just doing things in those days that women didn't do. And a lot of them did not even, they didn't even get married. They were just on their own and just that wasn't heard of back then. And so I really loved those stories. And that fascinated even more so. Like, what were they on to? What did they know? And that really brought me, as I got older, like in my college years, graduate years, and then beyond, even to this day, to pursue to pursue and understand more about these this women in that lineage. And I and I do think things are passed down ancestrally and it's in our DNA, but also it's in that psyche of our family. And I feel such an affinity towards that 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 lineage that I find that that's what I'm also exploring too. And I didn't quite couldn't put the my finger on it or the words on it, but I realized how in line and how in sync I am with that that group of women on that matriarchal side of my family. You know, I am so glad you said that. Because I've been trying to explain for years that it is it, it's a it's a blessing and a curse at the same time that is passed on from bloodline to bloodline. And you know, I remember my grandmother using spiritual methods, and then my mother using spiritual methods. And and you know, I, I'm saying I'm using a very very broad term because a lot of people really don't understand what mediumship is. And, you know, I, I like to joke and say that I am a medium, although if you look at me, I'm more of a 2 to 3x. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you said that because, you know, people need to understand that, that they're not alone. And, you know, this is a gift that is... You know, that God has seen fit to pass to families because he knows that they will use it responsibly. Now, you have chosen, though, to combine yours with a tool. Yes. Not, not just seeing the cabinet in your head, but to actually build it and so yeah. that others can take part in the construction. If I'm understanding one of your opening statements correctly. Yes, that's correct. And also um, to, to, well, to build it to let others take part in it. Um, but to also communicate with the cabinet, <laughs> if you will. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to be involved with it on every level. I, I it, okay. So, so you know, I have very powerful dreams. I've had them all my life. I have lucid dreams all the time. There was a period where I'll have it. This has happened several times in my life where I might have three or four in a week, even two in one evening. Um, and, and I have them. Um, God, the last one I had was just a month ago. I have them all the time. Dreaming has been very powerful for me. And in my dreams, I meet with my spirit guides. I meet with the deceased. I meet with beings that have information to impart or I get to ask questions. And when I'm lucid, that's where I go. I go meet my spirit guides. I go talk to people I want to see, the deceased, or some interdimensional beings. I've, I've been able to go talk to them as well. So I've, that's been a, a powerful tool for me throughout the years. The Ouija has just been something that it's like home. I can't, it's hard to explain. My guides will even call it, that's your home. It's like I feel so comfortable with this tool. Um, and sometimes they will call it a crutch also. Yes. Because, and I wrote an article about that, is, is the Ouija board a tool, toy, or crutch? Toy, tool, or crutch. Because when you rely on it, you don't get to develop these skills yourself. And so I was relying on it for all this work in my college years and after that. Like I said, it wasn't probably until a lot later that I said, I'm going to work with the, with uh, perfecting this ability within myself without this tool. Now I'd say it's 50-50, and I would say even more so I'm off the board. Uh, although, although tonight I'm having an open message circle and I'm having people over and we're going to, you know, do a session with the spirit session with the board. Although I will now directly communicate with the beans. I will either write, 
automatic write or just journal, I will hear it and I'll do voice channeling now too. So I've, I've been able to come full circle back to where I am. I still see spirits sometimes, not as much as I did as a child. I'm working on that, and that's a lot to do with the third eye, not the physical eyes, but being able to see with the inner eye. And I'm working on that too. But but yes, this this, this tool is just that for me. It's a tool, and, and I have to say, Kevin, it's like I mentioned earlier, such rich history and the artwork to the boards, to so the different boards you can buy, spirit, talking, Ouija boards, is incredible. I mostly own Ouija boards. I'm, I'm up to, I have 25 boards now. Next week, and it's a Ouija board. So I own mostly uh, 75, 80% are Ouija boards. The rest are just other kinds of talking boards. And some are one of a kind that people have made for me um, that were, were gifted to me, and they're just all beautiful. And that's, that's another thing I like about the board is collecting them and showcasing them. I have them out all over my home, on the wall. We can actually use these tools as a crutch because, you know, God or spirit gifted you with that natural intuition, that, that natural, you know, connection to the spirit world. And I, I'm glad that you said that you kind of graduated away from the crutch, whereas other people may still need that. So you've given them an inspiration saying, listen, this is only temporary. This tool, this diagram is only temporary. Eventually, you're going to get to the point to where you really don't need it because you've drawn closer to the spirit world. Am I making sense or am I just rambling? You're making sense. You're making absolute good sense, and that's exactly my take on it. People write to me and ask about their use with the board, and I tell them something interesting is going to happen. It happens. I, 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 it's happened to me. It's happened to many people. People write me all the time. You can only imagine how many people write me, and, and, and they tell me their odyssey with this tool. And a lot of them will use the word tool, device. Some will, some will still say play or a game. And I, you won't hear me using those words, except for when I was a child. I, I don't use those words. There's definitely a difference. yourself getting better, meaning you're giving yourself permission, the tool becomes a conduit, a pathway, a map to help you navigate the unseen dimensions, and then you go into them. It's you doing it. This is just a board, just tools, a starting off jumping board, springboard into the All these things start developing. The, what I, the article I wrote was called um, Ouija on Your Sixth Sense or Developing Your Sixth Senses. It happens automatically when you take the tool to this level. If you're just messing around with this, this as a game, as a toy, and it's just frivolous, and it's just, oh, I'm going to pull this out when I'm at a drink, drinking party, or I'm, I'm you know, just messing around with my friends in high school, or it's just a joke, it's never going to get to this level. But if you take it at a serious level as a real tool to use, like a, like tarot cards or oracle cards or, you know, so people use ruins. Yeah, exactly. Dowsing rods, the pendulum. If you start using it on that level and you really want to seek some universal truths and knowledge and understanding, then it's you that's developing and you develop, you start developing beyond. People write me all the time and say, hey, I used the board for a couple of years and now I'm starting to do automatic writing. I said, good for you. Go, go for it. That's, that's exactly where you need to be. I just took 39 years. Some of you might do it in two or three. I just took 39 years before I got off the board all the way. You know, it's that kind of thing. And, it, you know, we all have our own levels. But I started such a long time ago. You know, it's, hey, there was no social media. There was no books. Uh, one book I found out there, I think in the 80s, late 80s, was written, Ouija, the most dangerous game. And I just, I, I you know, the, the, the book is, it's, it's pretty well written. Uh, I'll give the guy credit for that. But he doesn't have any experience and knowledge of the Ouija board. It's, it's, it's a lot of people's hearsay stories. And then he just tries to throw in some stuff. I, I, I can't handle that. When people just write about this tool and have, have no experience, that just doesn't 
doesn't make any sense to me because it, unless you're just a researcher, that's fine. But state that. Don't act like you have you have the experience to use the this tool. Yeah, there's a lot that comes with it. You're, yeah, you're, there's no authority. Now, I did find some incredible books that were written early 1900s. One's called the Betty Book by Stuart White. <clears throat> Her name is Betty White, not the Betty White we know today. But <laughs> I started saying, "Wow, she's not that old." Um, this this Betty White uh, was born in the 1800s and died in I think it was 1930s. But she used the Ouija board just <clears throat> a few times, and then all of a sudden she graduated right to automatic writing and then to voice channeling. And she voice channels a group of beings called the Invisibles. So that book is out there called the Betty Book. There's a few others that her husband wrote, and then. Um, there was a woman named Gina Covina who wrote a book also, it was in the 80s, but she was doing work on the board when Jane Roberts was doing her work in the 60s and 70s. And this woman, Gina Covina, wrote a book called The Ouija Book, and that's a phenomenal book, very positive. This woman writes about her experiences. She's also a therapist. I'm also a therapist. She's a clinical therapist like myself. And she talks about how you can use it to really uh, project or, or perfect Project and perfect your greatness within, and she doesn't explain like it's spirits or this or that. She says there's something happening here that really allows you to tap into the universe, and that that is what that she says it so well. And those were positive books. I didn't find those till a lot later, but um, yeah, I, there wasn't there, when I was doing the tool in the beginning. There was nobody out there talking about it. I checked all the books out of my library, then I went to the the main library. I did my school library, the main library, and always getting books on the paranormal, whatever I could find, and. There wasn't too much on the board at all, and if there was anything, it was just always negative connotation. Well, you know, I mean, look at the era, though. People were still, I mean, being taught, you know, as we alluded to earlier, that this is something evil, this is something bad. And let's look at that for just a moment. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, Karen, for the people that, that haven't heard your explanation yet, how do you know that you're in contact with a, you know, and I'm air quoting, good spirit? Yeah. You know, I, now if you're in communication directly as a medium, I understand that. You see the spirit, you know the spirit, you're connected with the spirit. But through an intermediary or through a tool, I used to see it as blind phone calls. You just dial a number, and if you're in communication with somebody, great. But eventually, you're going to dial up that number that is that nut job on the other side who's going to track you down and give you problems. <laughs> it reminds me of crank phone calling. That was popular in the 70s, if you recall. <laughs> I do. I do. Hey, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's and then call even call people. You know? Right. And then even before that, you would back in the 20s and 30s, that you know, switchboard operators who would, um, you know, take your call and then transfer it over to the right switch on the board and then connect you. And it was you dial up just a few numbers. That was more that's more early 1900s. And you, you sometimes they mix it up. And then sometimes you get bleed through. You know, you'd be, it would call it be called a party line, and somebody would be in your party line talking. Um, you know, it works by frequency. So as a psychic will work too, as a medium will work, it's all about vibration. And the rate of your vibration equals your frequency. So how fast or how slow, that's your frequency. So I see this work no different than what a psychic or a channeler or a medium does. Just because I have a tool doesn't make the work any different. You could be a medium. You're going to pick up on the easiest energy that is to come through. You have to also fine-tune and dial in. So I consider when you use the board, your intent as a medium would do, or a psychic, your intent of what you want to have happen, the space you have created, if you use protection, which everybody does, the white light, um, that also brings it in. So you, all these steps you take, now I know it's all spiritual, it's something you can't see and touch, it's something that it's, it's, you know, it's not methodical and logical, it doesn't sound pragmatic, it's not. It's working in a whole other realm of, of, of energies. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean electricity doesn't exist. Just because you can't see some of the frequency of our light spectrum doesn't mean it doesn't exist. All these energies exist. And so you, you fine-tune yourself. And so as a, as a kid, let's go back to when you're a kid. <clears throat> kid, you don't know. The, the board comes in a box. It says, hey, it's a game. Amuse your friends. Ask questions. Who's going to be your boyfriend? Will I get married? <laughs> you yes, <know>? yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get on there, and that's how kids start. 
That's how they start. And they can get anything. You're absolutely right. And so you don't necessarily, we could talk about kids on the Ouija board later as well if you want to get to that. But you don't know at first, even as a child sitting there doing mediumistic skills, somebody who's not practiced, even a, an adult who hasn't practiced, can have the same experience that somebody has with the Ouija board because you're go entering into the unseen and you haven't learned to tune yourself. I was very fortunate. I already had these spirit guides I was already working with as a child who stuck around unbeknownst to me but were always helping me. Now I'm in communication with them again and they're telling me where they were and how this all kind of worked out for me with this board. So I had that unseen presence guiding me. I also was very serious about this tool even at the age of eight. I was amazed that it could work and I immediately said this isn't a game. This is something I can use to really reach into, I, I think back then I would call it the dead, talk to the dead, the dead people. I, I didn't necessarily call it the unseen dimension or or whatever realm I'd call it. Now, when I use this tool, let's just say from when I when I took it to a, a level about the age, uh, well, I was in college. So let's say 1986 is when it started for me, when I really turned the corner with this tool and took it to a whole new level. Um, so that was about 13 years after I had this board. And so there I was in college doing it. What, what, I, what I learned was that if I tune my frequency by my intention, I put my focus on what it is I want to communicate with and got really clear on that, I could bring those beans in. Now, how you know it's good or bad, no matter what you think you're doing? Yes, that's you know the it, question. That's the question. Here you go. You know it by how it feels, and you know it through time on what it says. I tell people the coolest thing about this tool is that if you don't like what you're getting, hang it up, put it away, put it back in the box. Go, oh, my God, spirits are going to stick around. No yes, spirits. That, that sounds so easy, Karen. It sounds so easy because it is simple. We make it so complicated. This tool has no negative vibrations or positive vibrations put into it. It's neutral. It has no, it's not imbued with any kind of spirit. People want to argue with me about that, but I tell you, go talk to Hasbro, who makes it now and owns, owns the trademark Parker Brothers. There's no warlock or anybody sitting in that office or, or magician putting in magic. In fact, they, they don't even care. They just want to sell these boards. Uh, they don't even care. In fact, they brought a board out that had a really heavy planchette. You put batteries in, and it's not going to work. It's too heavy to move around the board. I can make it work, though, because I'm really good at pushing anything around a board. No, but most people can't use it. Now, now, wait a minute. Speed bump. Yeah. They have a battery-powered planchette? What, what is it supposed to do? It lights up. It lights up, and some people go, like, ooh, that's cool. I've tried it before. It's very, very heavy. But, again, I'm not pushing it. The, the spirits are. If you have a st strong connection with your spirit guides that you're working with, they can move it around. But most people don't have that kind of connection. People write me and say, I can't get the planchette. I go, well, it's too heavy. You know, get, get out a quarter. Get out an old CD. Get out a, um, a Pyrex dish. Turn it over. Use a plastic lid. Use something else that's light. You're, it's not going to work for you until you get really good at using this tool. It's heavy. It, it, so that's, that's, that tells me right then and there, whoever designed that has no clue that this tool really works. See, that's my point. So ah. there's, yeah, there's, they, they know it doesn't work. They don't think it works because if it really they thought it was going to work, they'd give you at least an opportunity to make it lighter. So they went back to making the lighter planchettes and they realized people were having more success with that. So they know, they know something's happening, but they don't care. They're selling. They're making money. Hollywood doesn't care. They're making money. They're going to turn this tool around upside down. My point is I do care, and, and this tool can work, does work, will work. It may not work for everybody. It's not everybody's tool, but it's, it's not the tool. It's the operator, myself, yourself, of the tool that allows it to work, and that's what we need to get clear about. So back to psychics and mediums and people who are using this board, we're all channeling on some level. Psychics have the ability to really reach in and see the future and see what see what's going on right now and give people readings where mediums have the ability to reach back to the deceased. Well, people who use this tool or channelers can do both. I, I consider myself a channeler, spirit communicator, and a channeler where I don't need this tool, but using this tool, I'm still channeling. I'm channeling some something that's coming through, different beings I channel, but I can channel what's going on right now. I can channel also the deceased. So this tool, that's all it is. It's like... Um, some people like to do readings, and they do very great psychic or mediumistic readings with, with cards. They might use regular deck of cards or even like uh, oracle cards. And it's, they use the cards as a kind of a jumping off place. 
But yet the reading comes from beyond that. They're listening to what they're feeling and hearing, and the card becomes a way they can project and figure out some images, and that helps them. And that helps them, and they go from that. It, it's like that. It's like having some kind of device, some kind of talisman, if you will, that can help you start working in that realm. So I really see the work and people are going to want to argue, and that's fine with me. I always take all the arguments. I think everybody has great um, questions and thoughts about this. But I want to say it's very similar work we're doing. It's just that now we've got this, like you mentioned, intermediary device, but it's not the device doing it again. Remember, it's always ourselves. People want to say it's the device. And, and by the way, Kevin, people want to say it's the device when things go wrong, too, in their house. Oh, yes. well, I, I had a Ouija board in my trunk upstairs in the attic. Oh, I think I did. Well, let me go look and see if it's up there. Oh, no, it's not there. Okay, that's not a Ouija board. Or if it's up there, I got a Ouija board in my house. I better go burn it. Everybody Exactly. Is so, yeah, we're so quick to blame this this enigmatic device, this neutral device, this game, this tool as the excuse. It's so much easier to, to blame something else outside of ourselves than to take responsibility for things not going so well in our life. Now, life happens. Things are up and down. That's part of being a, a human and having this experience in the third dimension. We're here to grow, evolve, and learn. And you don't learn by just everything being kubaya. You learn by the ups and downs and things being tough. It's kind of like how you make a diamond. It's, it's, it's the roughness. You have to rub it out. It's the diamond gets so beautiful because it has all this rough, this, this charge within that's happening to it and the, the plates of the earth and everything moving against it that, that, that shifts it and changes it and yes. creates this, crafts this beautiful, you know, fast, the facets of it and the beautiful diamond that gets cut even further. Same thing with ourselves. It takes time and, and using this tool could be one way of chipping away at ourselves to learn to do this work. Yes. Like I say, I, I tell people, be careful when you pray to God for, oh, God, please give me patience. Or he, oh, he's, yes. not, he's not going to just <laughs> open up your head and pour it into you. He's going to put you in circumstances where you learn it. Well said. Well said. And so when you learn things, um, you know, let's say you're using this tool or you're just doing your own work without this tool, you know, life still has ups and downs. Don't, don't go throw your tarot cards out. Don't go throw your K2 meter out. Um, don't go throw your board out. It, it's not those tools. It's yourself. You're, you, you know, you're, you're doing, you're exploring, you're growing. Life happens and you're just going with it. it, it if we start blaming and continue to blame external forces, external things, external people, events, um, the inanimate objects, we're going to get nowhere. We're going to be disempowered. In fact, we give our power away every time we blame this external stuff, such as a board. Oh, I, I had a bad experience. I better get rid of the board. I better go burn it. I better throw it away. I better give it away. I mean, why? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You had a bad experience because that is what's supposed to happen in your life so you can be triumphant. You're never given more than you can really handle. We don't know what we can handle. We go, oh, my God, I don't think I can handle it that person's going through but you never know till you go through it it's amazing how it does chip away it doesn't help us be perfect ourselves to that diamond yes, yes. well Karen what's coming up for Karen well um, I continue to develop and build my YouTube channel it's been a lot of fun and, and that channel is all about learning to bring out the greatness within and I work a lot with this tool I talk about it how to use it with great success also, I bring on guests who talk about their ways that they navigate the unseen dimensions and realms, whether it's through healing, whether it's through talking to other spirit beings, whether it's, it's navigating and communicating with the ETs. It's, it's interdimensional, multidimensional, how to work with crystals, third eye activation. I bring all these guests on just to help people. And our conversations are always about this, you know, what is it that I can do to empower myself to be the best I can be within this world? So that's, that's, that's really where my focus is right now. I, I, like I said, I'm part of a talking board historical society we're working on a project in the fall um, Helen Peters needs a gravestone we're going to get her one as well her family's agreed to it that's been a lot of work in the process and, and again Helen Peters was the woman who had the locket on her necklace and also was the one that went to the trademark office and showed the patent officer that um, this board really works and got it helped get it trademarked she's she's like the mother of the Ouija and also, I've been invited to speak at the Afterlife Conference in Scottsdale in the fall. I'm on a lot of shows, like your show and other shows. I'm doing those constantly. And um, it just that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I'm always writing, too, so there'll probably be some other books coming out in the, probably next year or two. 
Well, you know, I can guarantee that we're going to get a lot of listener mail on this one. So, if need be, where can we send the listeners to find you personally? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking in this opportunity. So, I can be found at my website, which is Karen. A Dahlman, D-A-H-L-M-A-N dot com, Karen A. Dahlman dot com. I'm all over social media under Karen A. Dahlman. YouTube the same, Google Plus, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all under Karen A. Dahlman. Um, you, also on my website, there's a way to reach me if you have questions. Uh, you, where it says contact, contact me there. It'll come right, right, emails will come to me. I answer all my emails. It just may take me a little bit of time. I do get a, a lot, and I, I focus every day to start my day by answering some emails. And then but be sure, I mean, if you want to join my newsletter, please do. That it, It's kept private. Your information is kept sacred and confidential just for me. And you'll receive an, e- an email, a newsletter, oh, about every four to six weeks. Do join me on my YouTube channel. That's been a lot of fun, uh, especially if you're interested in using this tool or you want to also watch and listen to some of my guests that come on um, that are the experts in their area doing this work um, with the Unseen Dimensions. So, uh, you know, Kevin, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, this opportunity. And then also if people are interested in my books, I have three books out there, all written with the help of my spirit guide through the Ouija board. Uh, one in particular is all about my use with the Ouija board, and that's called The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. My last book is called The Spirit of Alchemy, Secret Teachings of the Sacred Union, where I really get into um, advanced Ouija work. Beyond that, I get into how to connect with your own higher self, your spirit guides, and ultimately how to connect back to source and have those constant communications. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to your last book, but I myself am just a mere novice um, we're, we're quickly running out of time, but Karen, I wanted to slip this little testimony in there for the listeners, just to kind of put things in perspective. I've been a medium as long as I can remember. However, I've been investigating the paranormal for about 26, 27 years. And I was one of those guys, you know, ah, no, you know, we're not doing the Ouija board, we're not doing the Ouija board, you know, that's that's bad, you know, that that's evil. And between listening to you in the last few years and, you know, deep conversations with our normal host, Al Warren, I, I've had to really change my opinion about things. I now, you know, because it was difficult for me to reconcile the use of an ovilus, and, and as you mentioned, a K2 meter, with... Those things are fine, but the Ouija board is bad. I I was, you know, I, I couldn't reconcile that. And through listening to, to you and, and your channel and your books and personal interviews, like right now, and discussions, I've really had to kind of change my opinion about that. I've learned a lot, and it is a useful tool. You mentioned automatic writing. I've begun to explore that in the last three years and have had incredible success with it so you have taught me a lot Karen well that's huge thank you thank you very much I'm, I'm glad that it has opened you up I think the most important thing is that we continue all of us and, and, and I'm in this boat you guys continue exploring and discovering what else is out there there's infinite amount of possibilities that we can have for our life and for living and I am somebody who's going to continue to explore that I push the boundaries every day this tools help me do that and as you said too, Kevin you're using other types of modalities as your family has and it's been passed on to you as my family has and I'm continuing different modalities as well because I find that the more I can develop within myself the greater my life the richer it becomes and I have to say uh, all this work I've done with the board, but outside of the board, all this spiritual investigation, exploration, discovery, and modalities I worked with, it's made me a better person in the world. And i got to say, it's helped me a lot in my personal life and also my professional business life. So I, I, I am forever changed for it, and I'm very grateful to have... Um, these abilities and and if you don't have these abilities you can develop them you guys everybody has them everybody has them I just want everybody to be clear about that and to develop them has been just oh, God it's been the magic it's been it's been real magic in my life and I am just so grateful for that so thank you for sharing you know where it's been how it's been for you too because I think that's that's important we all have these stories we all have these abilities and and it may not be the board for some people it may just be something else but you have them so get out there get out there and explore it some more and if not, you can do stiff as a board. 
<laughs> Light as a feather. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, you've been listening to the House of Mystery, and our guest today has been Karen Dalvin. And some of her works are available on Amazon, The Spirit of Creativity, The Spirits of Ouija, and The Spirit of Alchemy. So get out there and give her a listen. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. I'll